we live in a world now that's so distracted. Um, and I think that the level of distraction that we bring home with us is something that really can ultimately be controlled. And, and this is like from a, ta- a tangible perspective. I think it's an interesting yeah. conversation to have with your spouse of what should they need to compete with timing wise? And then what should they not have to compete with? And what I mean by that, like compete is just for lack of a better term, compete. Like my wife needs to compete with me owning a business and being an entrepreneur and like, and then compete with like the burden of my job and what comes along with it. She shouldn't need to compete with Instagram at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night. Hey guys, welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we'll be talking each week about how a man can rally around the gospel. A relationship with Jesus affects every aspect of our life. So in some weeks, we'll talk about theology, sometimes marriage, parenting, health, personal development, and probably a lot more. No one person has all the answers, so my hope is that this feels like a conversation with friends as we grow together and explore life as a Jesus follower and as a man. I'm Chris Cirillo, your host. Don't hesitate to hit me up on social media. Uh, Just come say hi, comment on this week's episode, and be sure that if you enjoy the podcast, to subscribe and please leave a review. It's so helpful for other people to find and hear the podcast. Enjoy. Hey guys, I am so incredibly excited about today's episode. We've got Casey Holiday with us. He is the co-founder and the president of Kalo. Uh, Kalo is a Southern California-based company. They're making, in my opinion, the best medical-grade uh, silicone rings, uh, wedding bands, and accessories, right? They were the first ones to market. It was legit, right? So the company grew from this idea that they had in their living room to now over $100 million in total revenue in just five years as a business. Uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, Casey believes that success lies in the impact that you can create through authenticity and community. Uh, he loves the opportunity to sit down with entrepreneurs and challenge them to analyze everything from their passion to their process in their individual pursuit of purpose and impact. We've got a great interview for you today, so let's dive in. Casey, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking a few minutes today. Uh, we really appreciate you uh, blocking out some time. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do it. Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, so for the folks that are listening that don't know or maybe don't haven't heard of you, don't know your story, um, give us a little history. What does life look like for you? Are you married, kids? Kind of what's your journey been like that led you to where you're sitting today? Yeah, so I uh, I currently live in Southern California. So I was born and raised in, in Southern California. I live in Orange County. Um, I have uh, uh, I've been married almost seven, a little over seven years at God, my wife would kill me. I've been married almost seven years, I think is the right answer. <laughs> and uh, uh, I have a one-year-old little boy um, named Tigris, who is awesome. My wife uh, is from Australia, so she's originally from Perth, Australia. So we met in, in L.A. Um, and got married after knowing one another for eight months. So it was a quick uh, a quick marriage, but uh, it's going good so far. And we got a one-year-old little boy. Um, I got two rad dogs, two husky mixes as well that kind of make up my love it. My uh, my home life, um, and then I am the founder and president of Kalo, um, which is a family focused lifestyle company, but is best known for being the creators of the functional wedding ring. So my wife and I were married. This will answer this question. We were married in May of 2012. 
Um, yes, yeah, so almost seven years. So we were married in May of 2012. And uh, after wearing a metal ring for a couple months, I realized that this didn't make any sense with sort of the active lifestyle that I lived. And then um, Ted Baker, who's my co-founder of Kalo with me, um, married his wife a couple months after I married mine. And we worked together in Los Angeles and sort of one day in passing um, decided to sort of solve the problem for ourselves and create a silicone wedding ring. And that's kind of what has gotten me to where I am today and here talking with you. I love it. I love it. And from from the story I've heard, it all kind of just started as an idea from you guys' living room. And and so tell me a little bit about that process for you. Like what what made you know, hey, <laughs> whatever I'm doing now needs to stop and this is what we need to focus on in terms of how we solve this problem. Yeah. So I um I was working in a restaurant and so he he Ted actually owned the restaurant and I was I was waiting tables and was a bartender at the restaurant. And so um, it was kind of one day in passing, um, and I'd been wearing a metal ring for like about three months into it. And I, I was, I would go work out and I would take my ring off and then, right. Like I would go on like a hike or go do something outside or go explore. And I'd kind of take my ring off cause it would just kind of get damaged. And so it just didn't necessarily make sense or wasn't really conducive with the lifestyle that I was living. Um, and then Ted, who was the other co-founder with me, who really kind of came up with the idea he was just not wearing a wedding ring for him. It was just like, look, I'm really excited about being married. We both were. And when you're really like, when you first get married, you're so pumped to be able to wear a wedding ring and mm-hmm. you're excited about what it represents and sort of this new journey that you're taking with your spouse. Um, but we're like, this just doesn't make any sense. And so people have been wearing these things for hundreds of years, but like, we're not the only active people in the world. And so why hasn't anyone else really solved a problem for this? And so for us, initially it was, Hey, like, a solution has to already exist to this problem. We can't be the first people that have really even thought about something like this. And we looked and there was just nothing that solved the problem. And so, because the reason I sort of preface with me working in a restaurant is like, I was dying to do something else, right? Like I I was dying to work on something bigger. Um, I'd been waiting tables for six years. And so for me, it was like, I want to be able to have something that I can actually like build and spend time on and feel like I actually could start something that maybe could one day be impactful. And, you know, Ted was a little bit more successful than I was. And so he sacrificed a little bit more than I did initially, but he said, look, if if we do this together, like let's solve this problem for ourselves and then start a business and see if this problem exists for anybody else. And that's kind of how it started. And so we said, great, let's do this together. We high-fived, we had no clue what we were doing, um, but we decided to go for it anyway. And so we created a silicone wedding ring and started wearing them. And then, uh, launched our company on March 1st of 2013 is when we launched the website. Um, and for us, it was like, let's just try and get silicone rings on as many people as possible and see if anybody else sort of, uh, needs this problem to be solved. And fortunately people did. I love it. I love it. I I think it's such a good lesson too, in kind of just remembering that oftentimes the stuff that we're dealing with and that we're walking through can be, the vehicle to help and impact other people. And it's like such a, you know, small thing as, as a wedding ring, that's a frustration for you ended up being a, an opportunity for you to provide, you know, jobs and, and relief oh. to a lot of other men. And, and ultimately, you know, from what I know about you, you love the idea of marriage and family and just protecting mm-hmm. that, like the ability to wear a ring all the time when mm-hmm. oftentimes guys are not is, is kind of huge. So, um, I love it. So, what about this process that you've gone through and, and kind of taking, you know, something from living room to a hundred million dollars in, in sales has 
kind of spark your curiosity about how you can help other entrepreneurs and, and why are you so passionate about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's what I, there's a, there's a few things that I love about it and you're right. It's been like a heck of a journey and it's been a wild ride and it's been like the most intense business school that no amount of money on earth could have paid for. Right. Like, so it's just been yeah. very much about just doing it and then just learning as much as possible throughout the process. But what I ultimately love about it, and you said it when you said like, Hey, this one thing could lead itself to having such a large impact and to like giving, providing jobs for people and to be doing so much. And so what I love is that like, I was not, my resume was not impressive when I started Cabo, right? Like it wasn't, I, I dropped out of college. I went to firefighting school. I dropped out of firefighting school. After that, I then decided that I should move to Los Angeles and be an actor, right? Like it wasn't successful as an actor. And so what I really like about it is that I think people think that there are these lists of sort of prerequisites that are required before you can actually go start something and be successful. And like, that's just, it's a lie. It's not true. And so what I love about it is like, I love coming alongside entrepreneurs in the very beginning that are one need maybe a little kick in the ass to get going. Right. Because that's 90% of the battle is about just doing it and just going because most of the time people are scared to do that. But then also like one, I had, I had some people that really helped me in the early days that were able to advise me and to help me. And it's like, that is something that is so incredibly valuable that no amount of money can ultimately provide. And so I really like being able to help people say like, I want you to be able to experience a journey similar to mine, whether you get to a hundred million or a hundred thousand for me, that's not even the most important thing. It's ultimately about recognizing what your purpose is and stepping into that even further and then seeing sort of whatever the outcome is. And a lot of times like the revenue that comes with your business is an outcome of a fulfillment of purpose. And that's what I really like about entrepreneurs that yes, there's, when you talk about purpose of organizations, yes, like organizations have a larger purpose, but as entrepreneurs, it starts with your purpose as an individual. And I really like being able to sit down across from someone and go ultimately, like, why are you here? Like, what is your, like, what has God called you to step into and how can I help you step into that? So beyond just helping entrepreneurs, what I view it as, this is me helping you step into the plan that God has called you into. Dude, that is powerful and that's super cool. And that's what I dig about it. Man, I love it. Well, it's such an interesting topic to talk about entrepreneurship. I mean, because you and I have taken a similar path, but a little bit different in the sense that I also dropped out of college, joined the military uh, when I got out of the military, went back to college, dropped out again, <laughs> and and have started started and failed at probably three different businesses that just kind of because I've got that bug, but just I don't think I ever stepped foot into what God had called me to do mm-hmm. until now when I just realized that uh, scratching my itch, which was how do I become a better man, become a better father, become a better Christ follower? And then how do I help other people kind of do that too? Cause a, a lot of us are kind of, I was lost in that journey and, and needed to kind of discover that and, and figure out what to do. So, um, you know, that's a lot of work, you know, when, when you're an entrepreneur and, and kind of sorting through everything and figuring it out, how do you, um, how would you balance what you do with your family and, and um, with the the amount of weight that you hold 
to being a good father and being a good husband, um, <laughs> starting and, and running a business is, is no easy task. Um, how does that all jive? Yeah. So that, that like, I'm a pretty transparent dude. Like that's the biggest point of contention that my wife and I have. Like it, it's the, like when you say like, what's the number one thing that you and your wife fight about? Like it's this, right? Like it's sort of yeah. the burden of leadership and the burden of entrepreneurship that comes along with it is that a lot of times like things around you can tend to suffer things around you can ultimately become secondary. Um, and so it's that, that it, it is, it's really difficult. And a lot of times it's because I find myself giving everything I have to Kalo. And then when I get home, I don't necessarily have a lot left for my, my wife. Um, which isn't fair to her and it's not the right way of doing things. And so for me, it's, it's a constant, like it, it's a constant conversation and it's something that I'm constantly working on. And a big part of it, um, from like an advice perspective and what I found to be relatively grounding, um, is the idea of perspective and trying to understand people's perspectives on things. And I got a great insight into this. Um, we work with a, a, organization called 24 seven commitment, which helps with, um, uh, families of like firefighters, right? So like either spouses yeah. of firefighters and it basically uh, creates a support network for them because the divorce rate's so high and the job's so stressful and things like that. And, um, Dan, one of the guys who runs it was speaking. And so we went and heard him speak and he was talking about a similar journey where he's like trying to understand perspective and also like respect and appreciate your wife's perspective on life is something that like, you really need to do in the ability to sort of turn things off and or turn things on because he would say like, I would go from, like I would be at the end of my shift and I would get a call and I would have to go deal with an infant who passed away. And mm -hmm. I would deal with the weight of that and I would get home and my wife would be mad at me for not taking out the trash before I left. Right. And it was like, it's such an yeah. incredibly grounding thing is that like, nobody's wrong in that situation, right? Like he's not wrong to be dealing with the burden and stress that comes with it. And I'm not equating what I do to that in any way, but to relate to an entrepreneur side and to what it is that I do, I may have to be coming off of a really difficult conversation with an employee, or I may be dealing with a month where the company didn't do as well as I wanted it to. And then I have to get home and my wife has to hand me the kid and goes, you need, I need to be a dad and you need to be a present husband for me. And I'm sitting here going, you don't know what I'm dealing with. Yeah. And, and it's that really delicate balance of those things where no one's wrong in that. But you have to understand that, like, when I get home, my wife has expectations from me, too. And how do you allow yourself to sort of be present in the moments that you're in and do your best within that? And what I found to be really helpful is to allow your wife or your spouse to be brought into what it is that you're dealing with and not feel like you need to bear the burden of entrepreneurship alone. Now, my wife, again, this is kind of that point of contention thing. My wife will never understand what I do. She never, she, it does not matter how often I go home and say, I had to fire someone today. She's never fired anybody. She like, so it doesn't matter like the same way as like the wife of a firefighter in my example, right? Like they've never had to do that before, but I also have never been a stay at home dad before, right? Like, and I've never dealt with the battle that she's dealing with. And so the ability to respect one another's perspective of, of things and meet one another with grace in that, I think is really important. And this is even like this timing of this is super interesting because my wife and I literally just in the last week have had this conversation where she's like, you have to let me into what you're dealing with. 
Like you can't come mm. home and not communicate with me with what you're dealing with, yet I have to deal with the outcome of your emotions and feelings due to the stress that comes along with your job. And so I think it's really important that whatever job you have, but especially as an entrepreneur, that you you allow your wife and or spouse to be present with you in that and to sort of go through those journeys with you, even if they don't understand it, like they can be understanding. And that's kind of the the different side of things, which is, yeah, it's, it's a tricky balance. And it's something that my wife and I are going to deal with forever. And this is sort of like the struggle that our marriage has or that, you know, the valleys that we go through deal with sort of the understanding of perspective and, and appreciating and being grateful for what one another does. Man, that's so good. And it's, a long, it's a long answer. I apologize. I'm relatively long winded. No. Hey, uh, most of my career has been in sales. So if, uh, if anyone knows, knows how to talk, <laughs> it's I can you. bring okay, it. Sorry. Yeah. Give so so no, no worries at all on that, man. It, it's good stuff and we love to hear from it. Um, but what, I, what I'd love to kind of understand and unpack from that is it, it sounds like you've got at least identified what you need to do and be be better at as a husband and a father in order to uh, to kind of share in those perspectives and to kind of have a different viewpoint on things. Are there are there things practically that you do? I, I mean, I know I'll bring this in. You you guys have created this book, Family Identity and Challenge Book, that yeah. you guys sell um, at Kalo, and 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 it's um, from what I've seen an incredible book. And and you and I are going to connect on that a little bit further, which I'm really excited about. Um, but a lot of it has to do with how you protect family and, and how you, um, it, at least it looks to be, um, how you nurture that and make that a priority and how that's the number one thing in your life. So what are some practical things and maybe you can pull some stuff from that book or, or, or top of mind that you guys have worked on or talked through? What are practical things that you put in place as maybe boundaries or guidelines or processes that you guys go through to kind of protect that family unit and, uh, to not let the entrepreneurship world kind of overtake that as it, as it easily can, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think we live in a world now that's so distracted. Um, and I think that the level of distraction that we bring home with us is something that really can ultimately be controlled. And, and this is like from a ta tangible perspective, I think it's an interesting yeah. conversation to have with your spouse of what should they need to compete with timing wise. And then mm -hmm. what, should they not have to compete with? And what I mean by that, like compete is just for lack of a better term, compete. Like my wife needs to compete with me owning a business and being an entrepreneur and like, and then compete with like the burden of my job and what comes along with it. She shouldn't need to compete with Instagram at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night, right? Mm. Like there are a list of things yeah. that like your spouse should not need to compete with you on, right? But it's like, hey, I, I like to, I wanna be able to work out and there's my job and so here are all of the things Okay, great. So like, I'm going to work with you on those and I want to encourage you into that. But then don't make me compete with your phone at dinner. Like, don't make, you know, like, and thinking through sort of what are those things that are okay and what are things that are not, and then having the ability to recognize when those things are happening. And so the distraction element, um, which lends itself sort of to this book, is we are a world and a group of people in this world that are so consumed by our phones that it's ultimately. In, in a deal, an illness and an addiction in a way. Yeah. Like I genuinely believe that. Like if I told you you weren't going to be able to have your phone for four hours, something inside you would be uncomfortable. Yep. Like, and I hate that it, it's true, but it's true for me. And if you're listening, it's probably true for you too, right? Like if it was like, hey, Chris, dude, like you're going to take a day 
and you're not going to have any phones today. You're like, you have to like, there's almost like a grieving process you go through. There's yeah. almost, it's like, you have to mentally prepare yourself for that. Like, God, that's so bad. And so like when you, you bring up the book as an example, so just to give people an overview on what the book is and what I wanted it to be was at Kalo, and this is just a quick little, I'll give you a quick little sales pitch real quick before, but at Kalo ultimately like, yes, we sell silicone wedding rings, um, but ultimately we're about way more than that. It's really deepening the connection of family, starting with the couple. And so this book for us was the first tangible tool that we had put together to try and deepen the connection between spouses and then also deepen the connection with the family a little bit further. So the first part of it is really creating dialogue and conversation between you and your spouse that I think is really important to have. So that's everything from like, what are our goals as a family? What's our family mission statement? Like, who, what do we stand yeah. for? What matters to us? Like, what's our family spirit animal, right? Like, well, all this, that's like kind of more on the fun side, right? But these are kinds of things that help you curate an identity from your family that help you guys to acknowledge who you are, what you believe in, and why you believe in those things. And that, to me, is really important when you're talking about building the foundation for a family beyond that. Whether that's just your marriage or you plan to have kids, or you plan to get a dog, like all of those things beyond that are responsibilities that are ultimately or weight that's ultimately being piled onto that foundation. So that foundation better be strong enough to support those added responsibilities, right? Like you got yep. a kid over, like, you know, it's like all of a sudden now this foundation of marriage that I built with my spouse better be pretty strong because if it's built on sand, I promise you a kid is going to make that house collapse, right? Oh yeah. And so ultimately like what this book started as was, Hey, let's, give people a tool that can help them curate an identity for their own families. And then beyond that are a bunch of challenges that sort of exist under the four pillars of Kalo um, about kindness and adventure and some challenges that we would say to you to go explore and get outside and to do things with your spouse that are, and your family that are ultimately distraction free. So literally one of the challenges is like a day without phones and like you and your spouse, or if you got teenagers, whatever it is, you get together and you're like, okay, Monday the 24th, no phones that day, everybody. And again, you'll go through the grieving process, right? Like, you know, yep. you can, you guys, the family can commiserate with one another sort of in preparation <laughs> for it. Right. But that's a challenge in there. And it's like, that's one day out of 365, but it's, it's a way that Kayla was saying, like, what we want you guys to be is to be better for one another and to deepen the connection of your family. And the, and the book is essentially just a tool of that. Man, that is awesome. I love it. And so was that a brainchild of yours? Was that a collective effort? I'm curious how that how that came about. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I would not often, I will not take credit for doing the book. I have an incredible team that put the content together and oh, just did such incredible yeah. work. But initially it was a brainchild of mine, but it stemmed from if I'm going to own a company that's going to challenge marriages and that's going to say, hey, we believe this is the way that marriage and family should be done, then I better damn well be able to provide people a tool with ultimately what that looks like. And yeah. so the, the, as Kalo moves forward, we'll be able to create more and more resources for people that say like, when we talk about living a Kalo life, this is what it looks like. But this was just sort of step one in that journey of saying, this is the initial book. And what I want you guys to do is I think it's important that you, that couples get together and talk about what are, what are like core values of your family? What's your mission statement? What do you believe in? And then the goal is that it sits on your coffee table 
And when you have friends over and they open it up, that they can read the first three pages of that book and go like, dude, I love what this family represents. The same way if you're out in the wild and you see somebody else wearing Kalo the same way you're wearing Kalo, you can look and go, I know what that person stands for and I dig that. So it's really yeah. creating this ecosystem and helping people curate an identity for their own families. I love it, man. We've been going through a lot of that stuff. I don't know if you are familiar with Jefferson Bethke, um, but uh, he he's the one that did that um, video that went viral years ago. Jesus is greater than religion um, that I mean, I don't remember, maybe eight million plus views on YouTube. Now he's a New York Times bestselling author, but him and his wife have talked a lot about in the past different things like mission statements that they create and, um, you know, identifying uh, what the non-negotiables are within their family, who they want to be, who they want the community to be because of who they are, um, you know, a lot of stuff. And that's been um, this is a timely conversation for me, even with just processing through that this year and trying to identify like, OK, how do we how do we want to raise our kids? And, and uh, it's like, so you know, important. Yeah, it's insane. And so the the phone conversation alone has come up with us um, a lot recently. We read uh, read through this book, uh, 12 Ways Your Phone Is Changing You, um, and some other things. And, and we've been convicted to, to even consider, like you're talking about, the addictive nature of mm -hmm. some of these things and how intrusive they are, even with a couple like us who has been really tight-knit from, from day one. We've seen the phone be a cause for intrusion. And, and that's just one of many things that can impact a family and impact a marriage. But for sure, um, I love the book idea and it's super timely. Um, and I will, uh, I will definitely shout it to the rooftops because I think any practical things that people can have that are yeah. just even sometimes small, that get you thinking down the right uh, thought process in terms of how to approach doing marriage and family um, the right way is, is super valuable. So, um, well, yeah, dude, I, I, kinda, yeah, I think go ahead. I was, yeah, I was just going to say like, well, yeah. it's, it, marriage is a muscle. And so the same way as anything else, like you have to work in order to build it. Um, and so even if it's just like, to your point, just starting dialogue or having the right conversations with your spouse, like this is, and it's so crazy, but this is the world that we live in. Go home and ask your spouse, like what they want for their life or what they ultimately believe, like God's calling them into. It's like, my wife and I literally just had this conversation, which is why it's so fresh with you. It is, dude, that's so cool. What comes from that is so cool. And like yeah. having that awareness of your spouse and ultimately what they want for their own life, but even bigger than that, like forget what they want for their own life, what God's calling them into. Now you as a husband can go, sweetie, like I can help you step into that. Like Dude, that is so freaking cool and powerful. And so I would challenge people if they're listening, go home and ask their spouse that and like see what how rad that outcome is. And I guarantee you it is so much better than scrolling through an Instagram feed. Sorry. I just Dude, wanted to throw that out. No. That's so good. Like uh we had just talked about before this call that, you know, my anniversary was yesterday and one of the conversations we had uh over dinner was just like some of the ideas floating in her head and the things that that she's passionate about right now that that I can support. And I think I think marriage is like a beautiful picture of kind of an incubator on both ends, right? Like um, how much 
how much she's probably played an amazing role in uh, Kalo becoming what it is today, just from the the background support she's given you as a wife, and and then how you can do that for her as well with the dreams that God's put on her heart. I think it's mm-hmm. incredible. So it's like that incubation, if you if you want to look at a word picture, but it for um, sure. it's cool. Well. So shifting gears from from your perspective, you've you've kind of had baptism by fire. You know, you've had to had to hire and you mentioned earlier, maybe even fire a a few employees over the years. Like um, and this this can kind of be a broad question. So answer it as you will. But whether it's as a husband, a father, an employee, a a boss leader, et cetera, like what's a what's one of those key character attributes or a quality um, in a man that, that you think is most important to have? And, and like, what would be that critical component that, Hey, if, if I could talk to every guy on the planet and they had nothing else, but this one thing, it would be blank. Um, that's a trick. It's a tricky one, right? Because yeah. there's, there's a, there's a lot, a lot of different things that I could throw out. And when like you asked me that my mind goes to a few different places, but I would start with like my what I would first go there is to like the greatest leader in the history of the world, right? In Jesus, right? Which is like yeah. always making sense to people. That's probably not one of them, right? Because he's so yeah. I'm not doing that, right? So you think it's not like for me, I would view it as kindness. Okay. And what I mean by that, I think kindness is very often confused with being nice, and it's not. Yeah. Right. And so I think when you look at like a reflection of Jesus and his leadership, like you're not always nice, but I think that kindness is a key word. And so sometimes and you prefaced it with firing and hiring, like sometimes that means having really difficult conversations with people and being very direct with them. But it comes from a place of kindness, but it may not be what they would like to hear. Right. But it's coming from this place of kindness. And I think knowing that you operate within a place of kindness when you interact with people also creates confidence in yourself that the way you're interacting with people is coming from a good place that you can have confidence in the way you communicate to people. And so there, again, there are a lot of buzzwords um, that I think you could use like humility, um, like confidence. Um, but I ultimately for me, I would say you could sum all of those up by utilizing the word kindness. And it's not often from men, right? Like a a word that you would say like a, as a man, like what word do you want to have? Like kind is super important to me. And, and for me personally, that's something that really resonates is that I want to make sure that, um, you know, those exercises of like, if someone was giving a eulogy, right? Like what would they say? Right. For me, Casey was kind. It doesn't mean Casey was nice and it doesn't mean Casey was passive. And it doesn't mean that like, I didn't have a perspective or something to say. It meant that I said what I believed to be kind to people whether sometimes that was difficult or whether sometimes that was encouraging and building people up. So that's kind of the buzzword that I would say. I don't know if that's what you expected to hear, but that's, that's what I would go to. No, I think that's really valuable. I mean, you, you said it yourself. It's Jesus is the example for us. Right. And so when you look at it, there was a lot of times where he would really challenge people and when he would press back on the status quo, but he, he was the embodiment of love, right? Like he, he was the father's love, agape love, like embodied in a human being, but yep. he still pressed buttons, challenged people, called out, you know, the, the status quo being broken. Um, you know, he was the one to pull women into, you know, the, the forefront of things as women were taking the backseat and were second class citizens throughout that, that time. And so, um, kindness, I, I would agree with you, uh, 
kind of comes from a place of love, but it it definitely isn't always uh, bending over. It's not being passive. I, no. I love that. That's incredible. So looking at that, I mean, you, you backtrack. You're 31 now, right? I am. Yes. You're 31. So let's let's rewind 11 years, and you're sitting in front of 20 year old Casey. You just walked in the room. You guys are sitting face to face in a chair, and he's listening wholeheartedly to every word that you have to say what advice would you give him now knowing what you know about the life you've led yeah first i would tell him to appreciate the body that he has and tell him that he looks very youthful and handsome um (laughs) but but i would uh for me i would go to a quote by one of my ultimate heroes which is c.s lewis um and i think it is so it it, re, it sums up sort of everything I've experienced probably over the last 11 years. And that's everything from business to friendships to personal loss. Um, and the quote is this. It says, I'm not sure God wants us to be happy. I think he wants us to love and be loved. But we are like children, thinking our toys will make us happy and the whole world is our nursery. Something must drive us out of that nursery and into the lives of others. And that something is suffering. Mm. So what I mean by that is... That there, you, that there are going to be times in life that you are going to suffer and times in life that are going to be difficult. Um, but ultimately, you're going to be able to push through and that in the midst of those that you're going to be brought closer to God. Um, and so it, I wouldn't say like, hey, man, do this differently or hey, man, like, yeah, sure, I could go there and I could say like, hey, man, like, love your wife better the, the, for these six months because you're going to be a real a-hole, right? Like, sure, I yeah. could do that, you know, but – but ultimately, I would come back to and I would try and um, really encapsulate the 11 years into the concept of like, there is going to be suffering in growing a business and difficulty in growing a business. And there's going to be suffering through personal loss and personal grieving. Um, but at the end of the day, in the midst of all of that suffering, you're going to be brought closer to God um, and that there's a bigger plan there. And so even in those moments, 20 year old Casey, like, when you're 25 and you're starting Kalo and you're struggling with my business partner and I have grown so much, but like you're struggling with this partnership or like, Hey, when you're 23 and you're making $11 an hour at lunch and you don't know like fiscally, if you're gonna be able to pay your rent, like dude, God's got you in the midst of that. And although this feels like suffering, there's a much bigger plan here. Um, and I just read, um, a man's search for meaning by Victor Frankl. I don't know if you've ever read it. I have not, but I've heard of it. So there's a section in there, which is like, I'm going to butcher it. So you read it yourself because it's so important. And it was like, it was a little bit of kind of a mind blowing moment for me. And he, and it talk it's sort of in that element of suffering. And, and this basically the, to give a quick summary of the book, it's about a man's um, life or life during concentration camp and how he managed to survive through, and then sort of a look at his suffering in the midst of all of it and what he learned through it. And he basically, he uses the example I believe of a gorilla where it's like if a gorilla was put into a laboratory and tests were constantly done on it, but the goal of all of these tests was to cure a disease for humans that would be able to improve the lives of a million people, right? Like that gorilla would view life as suffering, but... That suffering would be for something that is so much greater that it, it couldn't understand what the purpose of it was 
but ultimately mm. it was for something so much bigger and more powerful. Yes, I, the, the gorilla, would not understand why I'm suffering. Why am I going through this? But ultimately it was for something that was so much greater than even he could have imagined. And that's kind of like how I would view suffering for us as humans. And it was so mind-blowing for me because I had someone really close to me die of cancer. From diagnosis to death was about six months. And in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of our suffering, we ask why and we understand, don't, like, we can't make sense of it. And I, the reason I love that example of the gorilla is like, dude, what the suffering that you're going through is, could be for a plan that is so much bigger than one that we are even capable of wrapping our heads around. And we have to trust in God that there ultimately is a bigger plan and something bigger that we're playing a role in even though we're suffering. It doesn't make suffering easy. It doesn't make it not suffering. It doesn't make it challenging and difficult. But if we truly believe what we say we do, then we have to understand that maybe we're playing a role in a much bigger story. Man, that's so freaking good. I love that. <laughs> I, should, uh, like, I, I love it. The book should take all the credit and C.S. Lewis can have all the credit. I'm literally just regurgitating their words, but it's been sort of a revelation that I've even experienced in the last couple of weeks over the holidays and reading this book of just like, God, like the arrogance for me to ask, why am I suffering? Right. Like, yeah. which is that we're human. So I ask it and you wonder that it's a good, it's sort of a good check of going like, golly, maybe there is a bigger plan here. And that gorilla example, yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it because it just, it just sort of shook me to my core. Well, one of the things that I, I've wrestled with this a lot lately too, is just kind of like, well, if, if God is really sovereign and he's he's over all the earth and like he's he's orchestrating his plan and all of this. Right. Like, who am I when I don't understand to ask what's going on? Right. Like if if I could wrap my mind around all of what God was doing, then then he's probably not a big enough God to be worth worshiping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's for true. me, that was like. Uh, I love that. That's a great analogy with the with the gorilla. Um, well, so wrapping up, I've got kind of two two final questions here that that I think would be great. Um, one would just be if you were to recommend any book to the the men listening to this podcast, um, what would it be? And if it's the Viktor Frankl book, that's great too. Um, but yeah. feel free to feel free to um, to give a list if you can't dial it into one. Yeah, I think. Um... Yes, I think that book is important for anyone to read. Man, woman, doesn't matter. I think it's really important. And it's it's a really good, when you go back to sort of that perspective conversation, it's a really good perspective of like, historically in the history of the world, that could be the greatest form of suffering, right? From an example perspective in World War yeah. II, like the greatest form of human suffering that anyone ever dealt with. And this, and this person managed to come out the other side and write a book about the beauty that came from it like it's nuts are you kidding like like when my, i can't and i can't get wi-fi that's how i classify suffering no it, you know what i mean like yeah it's crazy and it puts a lot of things in context so yes i think that book is super important um i think the uh book called the power of habit uh by charles duhigg um yeah. is one of of my ultimate favorites and it's a really it's really, really good insight into why we behave the way that we do and the way our brain operates and what it ultimately is asking from us but can put yourself in check and going how many things in my life have i put on autopilot um because that's the way our brain is programmed um and one what am i not showing any appreciation for or what am i missing out on in terms of gratefulness for all the things i put on autopilot um and then also it's saying if i have a habit that i want to break 
where is that stemming from and how, how am I sort of wired to be able to move that forward? So that one's really important. It's a good business book, but also a good personal development book. Um, True Spirituality uh, by Francis Schaeffer is one that, that's rocked me a little bit from a spiritual perspective. Um, super powerful, uh, who he was and what he represented and the way he challenged Christians, I think, is is really powerful. Um I mean, I, I love reading and I'm obsessed with reading. So like I could go through 10 others, but those to me, I think are really good ones to start. Um, that I go, a man's search for meaning, the power of habit, and then true spirituality. I love it. I love it. And, and I'll throw all these in the show notes too. Cool. Um, last thing, I mean, how do we keep in touch with you um, and keep track of what uh, Kalo's up to, right? Like social media, websites, all that kind of stuff. And that way I can share it with everyone. Yeah. So um, from a business perspective, um, it's Kalo.com, Q-A-L-O. There's no U. Um, it's pronounced Kalo. So it's Q-A-L-O.com. You can go check out our website. Um, if you sort of track us from now, hopefully to six months to 12 months from now, you'll see sort of the purpose that I'm talking about and why the organization exists um, exemplified um, in a more enhanced version than it currently is. Um, and then at Kalo on Instagram, um, me personally – uh, I'm at Mr. Casey Holiday. Uh, Casey, just the two letters, at Mr. Casey Holiday on Instagram. Um, I always apologize in advance for videos and or pictures of my son. Um, I was that guy that was like, my Instagram's never going to be full of my kid. Those people suck. And then now I'm that guy. So I, I'm, I, I own up to it. Um, yep. And then what I try and provide there is I, again, try and utilize my Instagram as a tool to try and better you and what you're dealing with. So yes, I share pictures of my family, but I also sort of share my own thoughts, um, share quotes. Um, when I read a book, I'll also share some excerpts from the book, um, of things that were impactful to me. And I love having dialogue and conversation. Um, I'll ask for prayer requests there as well. So, um, that's been a really cool way to engage with people that, you know, you're always surprised at who has a willingness to reach out to someone that maybe they don't know that well to ask for help. And I encourage you to do that. Um, and then my email is KC, just the two letters, KC at Kalo.com. If you want to reach out to me, um, Jess, who's my assistant, is fantastic. She'll most likely respond directly to you first. And then we'll maybe either set up a time if you want to connect or uh, if you have a question or anything like that, feel free to reach out if you're an entrepreneur. Awesome. That is wonderful. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. You're a wealth of knowledge and information. I mean, for uh, all the guys. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Well, for all the guys listening that maybe are like us and who have dropped out of college or have kind of pursued other things, it, like it's just such an encouragement to hear wisdom from somebody uh, who did it the non-traditional fashion. And uh, I appreciate it. I know they will. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Dude, thanks for having me. I'm always I'm always happy to share. I appreciate it.